The GLA Life is all about action and adventure. And now, it's even smarter. Whether in the city or the wilderness, discover the new locally assembled Mercedes-Benz GLA that conquers all. Equipped with a sleek, technology-rich interior and MBUX infotainment. Book a test drive and experience all kinds of strengths today. This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, the business station. My name is Rich Bradbury and this is Matt Splained. In the near future, a robot could be chairing your meetings, setting your tasks and appraising your performance. Automation is starting to change organizations from the top down. Meet the new boss. More Matt than the old boss. Hi hey, Matt, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Uh, you know, that's probably the nicest intro that you've done for me. Um, so <laughs> thank you for that. Um, mm -hmm. I've long been told that my management style is inhuman, and now it seems that the world has caught up with me. Uh, a, a couple of years ago, you know, we covered a story about an Amazon packing robot that needed people to feed it packages 24-7, uh, flipping the narrative where machines assist humans and humans assist the machines. Now, it's by no means the only example, but it is one of the more extreme. You know, uh, there are things where that we're, we're quite used to, where you send your car for a service, for example. The mechanic now just plugs a machine in, it runs a diagnostic check. So the machine is kind of in charge of what the mechanics then do. Uh, yeah. That's probably a bit more of an equal partnership, but, you know, you get the idea. So our relationship with machines is changing, especially when we look at the kind of AI-powered automation services that are now being implemented. Um, I was kind of led to believe, Matt, that we were talking about vaccines today. We were, um, but I figured that as this is the last show in November and we'll concentrate mostly on year-end roundups and, you know, big in 2021 things in December, it would fit better into that kind of lineup. Okay. And, yeah, and I've been hearing and reading a lot about business automation over the past few weeks, especially as we've been talking about ways that the metaverse might intrude into our working lives. So I wanted to talk more about the intrusion of AI and automation, especially when it comes to our working lives, and highlight some of the privacy issues and the surveillance technologies that this hybrid work is enabling. And of course, to ask, who do you turn to when your boss is a robot? Is that likely, those management roles being filled by machines? Well, to an extent, they already are, you know, without jumping the gun too much. Uh, a lot of current gig economy jobs, you know, delivery and distribution apps, e-hailing, where your employment is based around services that are allocated through an app, your boss is already basically an algorithm. It allocates you the tasks, it collates the customer ratings that feed back your performance, and of course, it issues payment. So this kind of setup is becoming more common. And, mm. you know, perhaps after an initial interview, which may even be done with a, a third-party contract company, many workers have very little human interaction with the companies that they are 
partnering. Mm -hmm. uh, plenty of stories have surfaced this year about uh, workers who've had their services uh, terminated by those same algorithms. Perhaps their scores have fallen be below the minimum customer satisfaction ratings that you need to stay on the apps or mm. because of perhaps a particular customer complaint. But often, because there are no, com uh, no humans uh, and the system can be quite opaque, it's very difficult to find out exactly why you've been axed. Yeah. Is that because most of the workers are classed as uh, suppliers or partners rather than employees? Well, yes. So you often don't have much recourse to either mm. tribunals at the company you've been working with or protections under the law. We are starting to see that change. Uh, some countries are bringing in new rules that give gig workers more employment rights. They're giving them things like employer tax contributions, health mm -hmm. protections, paid sick leave, things like medical leave. You know, mm. all the things that we took for granted in the old economy. Yeah. But we are seeing this creep of service automation into the supervisory and managerial levels of companies. Now, I gave a bunch of talks before the pandemic imprisoned me in this spare room studio, <laughs> where the theme was that I could start uh, at the top of a company rather than the bottom of a company when it comes to implementing AI solutions, mm. especially as we've seen this trend for listed companies to focus as much on market performance uh, you know, as much as delivering the products and services that generate their profits. Mm. Uh, for example, you know, Tesla passed the trillion-dollar market cap mark in uh, October, despite 2020 being its first full year of profitability. And even then, it only delivered a, a modest $720 million in profit, not even a billion dollars on a trillion-dollar-valued company. How did we get... How do you get from Tesla to your boss as a robot? Well, it's not some dig at Elon Musk, long may he reign. Uh, my argument was as uh, global markets move at the speed of light, data packets uh, of information that are moving around from place to place, it makes sense to have machines in those C-suite positions that also operate at the same speeds as the market. Mm. And of course, CEOs who are online 24-7 as mar markets open and close around the world. You mm. know, think of all the money you'd save in gilt-edge salaries and stock options with a bot CEO. No mm. golfing or expensive clubs and entertainment, no bad PR, and no sexual harassment suits. Don't tell me. Everybody laughed politely and told you it would never happen. Yeah, you got it. You know, we might uh, not have seen the world's first automated CEO yet, but there are plenty of inanimate CEOs already in the human realm. But, you know, as I said, these supervisory bots are becoming increasingly common. Bosses that you will never see or meet, but who still exert power to influence your day-to-day -day work. And how does this play into the argument you often make that um, jobs and roles are being displaced by automation? Well, we can backtrack to that point about top-up and uh, top-down adoption. You know, we've said it before, most people think about robots in the workplace as being physical machines. Either it's some scary Boston Dynamics-designed hunter-killer or the kind of big industrial robots that are bolted in place and perform kind of parts of that manufacturing process. Uh, and they think of robots more in terms of replacing 
manual jobs. Mm. But we have to uh, recognize that there is an element of doublethink going on here. Bosses can use the threat of automation to hold wages down. Uh, you know, we haven't done a show about the uh, great resignation and its effects. Uh, again, that's something we'll talk about in the year-end shows. But what we have seen is bosses saying, if I have to pay you more, then it's cheaper for me to replace you with an algorithm or a machine. Yeah, I notice you're sticking with algorithm rather than AI today. Well, I think people know how interchangeable the terms are now. Um, uh, we're not the only people, you know, ramming algorithms down their throats, but certainly automation can be used in this way as a looming threat, especially when shows like this say that robots are coming for your jobs. You know, we're mm. helping to support the the employer's claims there. But it's often a lot more subtle than that. And I, I think we phrased it as the creep of automation in previous shows stuff like service and process automation you know the stuff that isn't glamorous or headline grabbing mm. tools that replace those repetitive drudge-like tasks say you know a tool that automates and speeds up invoice matching and payments in a in a, a an organization mm -hmm. things that are time consuming and overlooked but very necessary, as anyone who's ever had a, a data entry job is going to tell you. Ooh. At the other end, you have RFID and facial recognition-based payment systems that enable cashierless checkouts in stores and restaurants, stock management systems that can react to real-time consumer demand to reorder and maintain inventory, and all that under-the-hood stuff that isn't screaming in meetings about how productive it is. How are we seeing this automation spread between legacy companies and startups? Well, so we've seen globally uh, expenditure on capital and technology increase in double digits since the start of the pandemic. Those bosses who had been scaring their staff with threats of automation realized that, hey, technology doesn't get COVID. So I got this example from a recent Recode Daily podcast titled Automation is Not What You Think, which uses the example of my bank in China, which is part of Jack Ma's, you know, enormous ant group, mm. Alipay and all the associated companies. And they pioneered the 310 model of collateral free personal and business loans. It takes three minutes to fill out the application online or in the app, one second for it to be approved and for the cash to be deposited in your account, and zero human interaction. So three, one, zero. Mm -hmm. uh, it relies on Alipay's existing AI computing and risk management technologies. But then you compare it to the thousands of loan officers employed in a traditional bank uh, with all of its branches. The time it takes for submission and approval, and you compare that with a startup bank that can automate that process without any human staff at all being involved. So there's a pressure on these legacy companies to streamline or even automate uh, their own business practices. Well, certainly, I think you know fintech is uh, is a, a a region or an area where we're seeing a lot of churn and change uh, because there are so many new players coming in. And because the existing players have got millions, uh, billions of dollars at stake, so they have to rapidly transform to meet the challenge. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from a consumer point of view, we expect any financial transactions we do to be instantaneous. We expect to yeah. be able to move money from one place to another in seconds. 
So there's an enormous pressure and ex- sets of expectations there that it's quite unrealistic to expect a, a human workforce to meet. You know, as well as greater productivity and and volume, some of these players are also passing those cost savings on to consumers because of having lower overheads. They're Mm. offering low or no processing fees. They offer very competitive rates. And some of these next-gen players are already huge. Now, I mentioned my bank in China. There are also insurers like Lemonade in the U.S., which... uh, went public in 2020 uh, and also works on this kind of automated model. They offer insurance coverage in 90 seconds and they claim to pay out on claims within three minutes. So Mm. this gives them a lot more room to innovate. They can offer flexible payment options like paying your premiums on a monthly basis. And they state that they only take a flat fee on each premium which allows them to pass the cost savings on in terms of lower premium costs to the consumers. Now, how is a bot your boss if if there are no staff? Well, I'm just illustrating the the, the movement that uh, the direction that automation is taking and how it's affecting the way traditional companies staff. So I don't want to call it disruption. I think when we come to this kind of uh, automation, all of this innovation was coming to these industries, you know, across the spectrum. What we've seen is more of an acceleration in adoption, partly because of the pandemic and partly because these new entrants haven't inherited those, you know, legacy business models with huge numbers of staff. Mm. And that's what we'll get into uh, in a minute. The managerial layer of machines that is coming soon to a white collar workplace near you. That and more after the break as we talk about the bossware that allows the algorithms to monitor you through your phone and through your laptop. You're tuned in to Matt Splained here on BFM 89.9. Benchmark for Managers, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, the business station. My name is Rich Bradbury, and welcome back to Matt Splained. Boss bots, they work longer hours than you. They only think about work, and their idea of happiness and pastoral care is a rating on a scale from one to five. Matt? Yeah, so that rating part is quite scary. I mean, the rest of it just sounds like a normal boss. But, um, you know, we we mentioned that the the gig workers who depend on feedback scores from customers just to stay on the app, a Mm. low score and you're penalised or even thrown off the service. But that could very much be the future of all of our working lives. Imagine if you're in a a client servicing role and after every scheduled meeting, the algorithm sends out a feedback note to ask the client to rate your performance. Or similarly, if every piece of work you submit is similarly rated. You know, I, I know it sounds a little ridiculous, but... With the spread of more flexible working conditions, we've seen this kind of uh, consequent and consecutive rise of bossware, software that's designed to monitor the employee. Mm -hmm. And that's where we're seeing this first managerial layer, or at least our interaction with an 
automated managerial layer in these white color settings. Now, before we get into the technicalities of this kind of software, what are we seeing in people's reaction to this type of technology? Will they accept that their boss is no longer a person? Well, that's why there's a bit of stealth to this, you know, not necessarily in a deliberate way. You know, I'm not framing this as a conspiracy or a silent takeover. I think a lot of gig workers uh, appreciated the flexibility of the approach, at least to begin with, you know, their manager, the app was always there for them. It, it worked the same schedule as them, or at mm -hmm. least that's how it appeared. You might get helpful notifications telling you about partner deals, you know, booster packages, as well as strategies to maximize your income. Mm. Chatbot services that answered your questions, whatever the time of, of day. So you don't see it as a boss, but it's a mistake to think that this is like Alexa or Siri, something that's there to help you. Often it's only later when something goes wrong that you realize that this inscrutable assistant isn't your friend. It is your boss. And it's a boss that has the power to end your employment, your source of income. And you think that we're seeing something similar with this wave of bossware? Very much so. You know, partly because the software might come preloaded on a work laptop or phone, or you're required to update your existing machine to include that new software. So you don't think of it as a supervisor, but it's still something that's interacting with you, sending you notifications about your productivity, about your performance. And all of that information is being fed back. It will be raised in your performance reviews. It will pour, uh, form part of your record with the company. It will influence your promotion, bonus, or pay raise prospects. Those yeah. are all traditional boss roles. You know, I was uh, talking to someone who works in forensic data recently, uh, you know, the kind of company that looks for signs of uh, hacking or corporate espionage, that type of mm. stuff. And he said it's quite incredible what people still do with their work laptops and phones and send through email. You know, mm -hmm. we're more than 20 years into digital working being the norm, but people still can't get it straight in their minds that everything they do with a company laptop or phone or tablet is subject to oversight and investigation. It's not your device. It's not your device in any way. Mm -hmm. uh, your browser history, what shows you stream, on a work device, those preferences can be monitored. Your activities on that machine can then invite censure by your employer. Mm. Now, um, when we talk about bossware, what kind of software are we talking about then? I mean, there's an enormous range. You know, at one level, it's simply, you know, logging into your machine. It's basically a, a digital time card. Uh, and that's become a lot more important since the start of the pandemic because if you're working from home, it tells the company that you're present and correct for work. There may be some kind of software that limits the sites you can access on the device. You know, that's been standard at a lot of companies for a long time. Mm. What's different now is that with much more work from home, these company policies about what you can and can't do with machines, this is now coming into much more of a domestic setting. And I think where it starts to get even more intrusive is with things like system management tools. Mm. These might be looking at what you're doing with the files on the device. Are you attempting to upload them to a cloud account that's not linked to the company? 
Are you trying to email them from a non-work-linked email account? So there's that security aspect in keeping the company's uh, confidential information secure as well. What about things like direct surveillance, you know, access to your camera, that kind of thing? Well, you know, uh, that kind of thing, um, things like keyloggers, for example, are very common. Uh, Again, at one end of the spectrum, it might just be uh, analyzing that you're actually using the machine, that you are actually typing things from time to time. Uh, We've heard of this rising trend of people taking more than one remote job and kind of juggling and spoofing, sort of working one and semi-working the other. So partially this is a guard against that, that you aren't just logging into work and not actually doing anything during the day. At the other extreme, uh, a Malaysian friend remotely working as a copywriter for a US company, uh, their keylogging software expected them to, to maintain a certain number of keystrokes um i think every 10 minutes or so wow fall below it and a notification would be sent to their human boss but as you asked you know we're also seeing more tools that give camera and microphone access now Mm -hmm. that might involve the machine taking photos of you x number of times per hour or even x number of times per minute it might even capture a live stream from the cameras and mics while you're logged in from work and all of this data will then be stored for future reference. It will be analyzed for your productivity or for human resources uh, purposes in the future. And it goes without saying that bosses can access your screen in real time and see what programs you're using, what sites you're currently reading, you know, what browser tabs are open, and of course, what you're typing. Now, um, me and you have been speaking a lot about facial recognition software this year. Uh, are we seeing that kind of technology being incorporated into these uh, bossware suites? Uh, I think a piece in the Washington Post used an example of facial recognition software that had been created for um, legal firms. The idea is that it would help lawyers to track billable hours. Now, mm. the same software can also be used to lock the computer. Uh, so that sensitive documents can't be accessed by people other than the user. You know, somebody can't just peer at your screen and see what's Mm -hmm. on it. So if an unrecognized face, it could be your child, it could even be a pet, appears on screen, then the software locks the computer until the registered user comes back and logs back in. Mm -hmm. However, the article pointed out that one of the users of the software uh, that they canvassed found that it was actually very glitchy. The suite was very glitchy. So if they moved around on the camera, the software would log them out. As a result, the person had to adopt an unnatural posture and avoid moving around just in order to to be enabled to be allowed to carry on working. My word. Okay, um, but this really brings a a question of harm. You know, when does it stop being a a productivity monitor and start being an unacceptable intrusion? Well, that's another one of those complicated to answer questions. You know, Gartner has found that the uh, use of monitoring software has more than doubled during the pandemic, as, of course, remote working has increased. And as we're seeing with uh, blue collar examples of these tools, legislation is slow to catch up. Mm -hmm. In the US, we're only starting to see legislation or court rulings that are penalizing tools like some of the ones Amazon has been using that set such rigid targets for employees 
that uh, some of them have reported wearing diapers on the warehouse floor because they haven't been able to meet their targets if they do something as simple as going to the bathroom. Now, that becomes you know even more complicated when you start looking at these flexible work solutions mm-hmm. because you, you then see the domestic and the professional situations intermingling. Should a company be recording your conversations while you might be helping your kids with their online lessons? Or should it be recording a private conversation between you and your partner? Because during the pandemic, the kitchen table has become, you know, it's become your office, your partner's office, and it's become a a classroom. Yeah. Are there risks that this kind of software could, could cause harm? Well, I mentioned that Amazon example, but there's also an enormous potential mental health risk. People are stressed that they're constantly being watched. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and it can sometimes come as a surprise. Uh, some of the companies tell you what the software is that you're downloading. Others just tell you, you know, you've got to download uh, an update. Uh, the Washington Post article also quotes a guy who was looking for some files on his machine. And suddenly his boss came in over his headphones and told him, you know, what directories uh, and folders to, to, to look in. He what? had no idea. Yeah, he had no idea that his boss could even watch his screen, let alone listen to him. Uh, you know, so there is a risk of staff adopting unhealthy practices, like we said, wearing diapers rather than risking taking a break. Uh, the the friend I was talking about got a notice from a boss because it appeared that she was nodding off. You know, it was taking snaps of her and it noticed that her eyes were closed for too many seconds uh, and the algorithm flagged it and sent it to a a boss to, you know, deal with. So that direct performance evaluation is there. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about um, gate analysis on the show before, you know, software that analyzes your posture and the way that you move. Mm. And we've also talked about smart video conference software that, can help you to read a a room. So those same technologies could be evaluating your performance. Again, at one level, it's relatively benign. You know, it could tell the company, are meetings at 4 p.m. as productive as meetings at 10 a.m.? But Mm -hmm. they can also single out the performance of individuals over time. Is that person as attentive as they were two months ago? Mm. Uh, Are you a person who frequently contributes? And do your contributions enhance or, you know, degrade the quality of the meeting? Are you someone who creates conflict amongst your team members? Because it's not only your performance in meetings it will evaluate. You know, it will also look at what kind of language you use when you're communicating with colleagues in emails, direct calls, Slack or instant messages. It will look at things like, you know, are cliques forming? Are people ganging up on some team members? So... The issue becomes who or what is judging us. Yeah, you know, we talk about bias in software. It could be racial bias, gender, cultural, uh, and these things can be hard-coded from the start. So, for example, you know, I was often accused of being brusque in communications with Malaysian colleagues. They would write me a, a, a hugely long email, and I would just respond with yes, no, or noted. And they found that insulting because my response contained no acknowledgement of the time and effort 
that had gone into writing the message. Similarly, they couldn't understand that I was incandescent with rage uh, and wanted to tear down the world when they walked into a meeting five minutes late. Mm. So, you know, can software manage these differences? We know that machines struggle with context. So how do they differentiate between someone who's direct and somebody who's rude? Because those two things can often appear to be the same. Yeah. But somebody who's rude can actively derail a project but somebody who's direct can help to speed it along so yeah. because you know we we are giving these or rather before we give these machines decision making powers we have to be sure that they're capable of reaching and making the right decisions and that when they don't there's still a human in that management layer that we can appeal to Great. Uh, thanks very much for that, Matt. Thank you. Sorry about the uh, the cracking and bubbling of my voice, everyone. Uh, I, I, yeah, I do apologize. Well, he's just getting old, folks. Don't worry about it. Now, you can find Matt on Instagram and Twitter at CultureMatt. You can also head over to CulturePop.com for transcripts of these shows and information about CulturePop and its consulting services. My name is Rich Bradbury for BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.